But yeah, you know, you, you tend to think I am so mindful. I'm going to listen to my body and I'm just, I'm going to go get help. So instead of going to the, to the team room and asking for an 18 Delta to lancet and uh, take care of the infection, I go to the, I go to the hospital and I pick the worst night because they are backed up. I mean, just so many people need help. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to meditate here in the waiting room. Six hours later, I'm not upset. I'm great. I'm like, man, like, I did great. Go to the doctor. And he's like, nah, it looks like a bug bite. Take these antibiotics. You'll be fine. I was like, okay, I'll do exactly as the doctor says. Five days later, I'm going back with a golf size ball mass that's infected. Yeah. <laughs> Lance, everything, uh, drain it, pack it. I'm just like, man, like, I should have just should have just been a little bit more mindful about the seriousness of the situation because I yeah, saw it get out of hand completely I'm like nah <laughs> I mean that's the that's such a great case in point Danny, is yeah. that mindfulness is about really seeing what's here and it can be it can show up as an avoidance yeah <laughs> of not dealing with this or perhaps an inappropriate trust and not listening to your own views on yeah. things which do matter and understanding there's expertise that we don't have yeah so i go to the doctor in the first place and sometimes it's hey can you maybe take another look at this or i'll check in sooner in a day or two yeah. <laughs> things have not gotten better <laughs> i was i was sitting there watching this thing grow and i'm like oh it's fine the doctor said this is this is a yeah. this should be a lymph node well <laughs> i cannot see this <laughs> Yeah. Well, I learned a valuable lesson and uh, went back, had a, a great experience. A doctor recognized exactly what it was. And uh, then I had the pleasure of having a entire room of trainees, just <laughs> brand new kids. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, when you're when you're in your early 20s, you think I'm a grown adult. Why do people always think I'm a child? And I want yeah. all these new trainees come in. I'm like, they all look like kids. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they just came in out of off the playground. <laughs> they're, they're here to see see the, the, the abscess lance. Yeah. And now they're you guys went through medical school really? with scalpels. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> they're yeah. arming them now. <laughs> <laughs> Great experience. Uh, earlier or just a few years ago, I would have just been irate and would have just thrown a huge fit. And I'm like, I'm going to go get an 18 Delta to take care of this. No, like, that's how people learn. I'm here. To get better, this is going to be a great learning opportunity. Have at it, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, thank you for coming on, Ted. Uh, ever since I've taken your course, uh, I have stopped fearing Sundays. Sundays became my new favorite day of the week. I had to stop and think about that. I'm like, wow, like I've really, in our, and it seems like it's our culture. We, we get ourselves this idea that Sundays are scary going back to the work week, whereas going through the mindfulness um, stress reduction course with you in that class, I was always looking forward to Sundays. And it's like, wow, like just changing that perspective and being able to realize like you, you don't have to assign a feeling to any day of the week and it's okay to be able to enjoy every day. And it's not like, oh, dreading a Sunday. No, now it's like, wow, like I finally let that go. Sunday is just another opportunity for me to have mindfulness, meditate, take care of my plants. Um, and it's, it was just that weird 
feeling of looking back at life. Like how many times have I've done this consciously or unconsciously yeah. and just prep myself for just being ready to be angry with, with certain day or time. <laughs> yeah. And that's it exactly is the habit that, sh- that sneaks in. I, it's, it's, it's very devious. It's like playing, um, Simon says with the most devious mind ever invented, which is your own on what's our attitude about whatever it happens to be in this case, Sunday, Sunday's just a day. Yeah. <laughs> there is nothing inherently about Sunday itself. It's, it's in us. Yeah. And that can be so about anything, whatever it happens to be. So this is a great, great example of, Oh, Here's this dread that's showing up. I because I used to have that on Sundays for school because I didn't do my homework <laughs> and things were due. And I'm like, oh, and there's this panic. I'm like, no, oh, the change was in me to make in doing my homework and adjusting to how I felt about a day that was just a day, yeah. <laughs> like any other. Yeah, and, and the thing that I was so surprised, um, you have a you connect so well with the students in the, in the course, you just have a great, um, you're like a human whisperer. <laughs> it's just yeah, like the perfect <laughs> approach. So in my mind, I'm like, Oh, Ted must've been doing this his entire life and getting an understanding and realizing like, okay, I need to have Ted on because people need to understand, like, this is not something where you were just raised in mindfulness. You come across yeah. it and you find your way in it. Um, so I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, absolutely. And and no, growing up, anyone hearing this, my brothers hearing this, or people who've known me for uh, more of my life than when mindfulness started, would actually be laughing and tisking. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> not at all. What what he was like, I'm a regular person, and grew up and had some difficulties and some stuff happened in my life that contributed to me being a certain way, which was not a, not a good way of being. And at some point in my late twenties, uh, I, I was having difficulty with focusing. It's a karate for many years and I was having difficulty with just concentration. Uh, my mind was all over the place. Maybe folks listening to this I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I noticed that too. And a friend had recommended why well, here meditation is good for that. And, and there's a place living in Minneapolis at the time, right on Lake Calhoun. You can go there and check it out. The Minnesota Zen Meditation Center. Shout out to them. Still there. Wonderful place. And so it went for an introductory sit, just 10 minutes long. And it was a silent sit. They give you a little bit of instruction beforehand. Uh, I remember the session was led by Dokai Jordison. And it was the hardest 10 minutes of my life because I'd never taken a look inside before. And I never realized how active my mind was and how much that was contributing to the ways that I was interacting with other people in my life. Uh, And that wasn't so good. So I stuck with it, not because it was easy. But, but because it was hard, I don't mean to quote Kennedy here, but that applies. And, and as time progressed, because this is like an exercise program, it does take time, it does take effort. You are working out, you're working out, not physically, you're working out mentally. Although some parts of it are physical too, your back can get a little sore from sitting still for a while. And what changed was first, the focus was something that shifted fairly quickly. 
because that was a primary practice. But then over time, what occurred was realizing and not being able to turn away from how I was that needed changing. And so the, the trajectory of practice has been a long arc of taking a look at how I am seeing, ah, this maybe not so good. This, yeah, let's focus a little bit more on that and learning how to be a better person that I have not been. And that continues on uh, to this day because there are struggles that I have too. Uh, with some trauma in my background that show up in ways that have been really harmful to me and those around me and shifting that little by little, moving that needle over time, like exercise, getting a little more buff, <laughs> the parts <laughs> of the brain that are associated with emotion regulation, but just noticing what's here right now and not avoiding it. Uh, so often meditation can take the the left turn of Oh, I was picturing my happy place and everything was great. And like, that's not actually the point here. Not in how I teach mindfulness. It is about seeing what's really here and the difficulty that you can do of facing what it is and making shifts. And when you and I first talked and we did the, the interview, the application interview for the program, I had so much confidence at the end of that discussion that you were going to do fine with this course, despite having a history that for many people would be extremely hard and, and indicate maybe this is not the right time for you. No, because you were turning towards it and you recognize that yeah. that was part of this, that when you're working out, you're going to sweat and you're going to breathe heavy and your heart's going to race. That happens. That's expected <laughs> part of that. You knew that for this too. And that's why I was very confident and, and happily <laughs> it turned out to be something that was very helpful yeah. to you too. Yeah. Definitely. I, I've, I've realized uh, you can get very headstrong and, and and have this this newfound way of dealing with so many things. And you want to just bring it to all your friends, bring it to everybody. But <laughs> one thing I realized is through through great mentorship, through great teachers is you have to wait to that person's receptive to that person's ready and wants uh there's there's nothing more annoying i now realize this than, than being that guy it's like hey gang let's all go meditate and it's like no but <laughs> no. That's, there's nothing wrong with being able to say hey when you're ready when you're inquisitive when you have this this idea that you want to go through with it like i have a way in a room and a place we can go and 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 practice because every time you, you come across that ambivalence and you come across that that um, uncertainty, it just pushes people away. And finally realizing, like, okay, it's just like being mindful when somebody's ready. Like you, you're there. You're ready as well. And it's such an amazing gift um, that sometimes it can be like well, I just want to give that person like just a nudge to yeah. come over and just meditate or, Hey, download the calm app. Just, just try it because it really is yeah. that life changing, but it's knowing and understanding the power of just being a good supportive friend is enough. Like you don't yeah. have yeah. to constantly bring yeah. that up. <laughs> yeah. It makes a huge difference to simply be present with someone else. In fact, this is something that I, we did in class. So the, Denny, this will be familiar to you. And for folks who are, are listening or watching this later on, 
is just think about a time right now. This is not a meditation. This is just reflecting on some point in your life where you were really listened to, that the other person was just there and they were, you know, eye contact was present. Uh, you know, they didn't interrupt you. You got to say what you needed to say and open up and you felt supported in that way. And what was that like for you? And just take a moment and get the kind of capture the feeling tone of what it was like. And then in contrast, maybe think of a time and fortunately, maybe like most of us, you have a lot more examples of a time you were not listened to that the other person interrupted didn't pay attention, just jumped in with their own story and made it about them, or they tried to fix what was wrong, quotey fingers here, wrong with you or your approach and offering fixes that might be fine for them, but it's not right for you. And how did that feel? Very different kind of experience. The same is so with a mindfulness practice is, you know, I can tell you what it's like for me, but I want you to be skeptical about it. Not, not a denier, but skeptical as in, how do I know this is so? You can try it out for yourself. There's an easy answer for that. <laughs> is I don't want you to trust me. I want you to give it a shot and see what it's like. And when you're ready for that, because it might not be today. It might not be in this time frame. When you are and you're curious and you must spend five minutes, that's something we can do. And then you'll see what it's like for you. Is it something that's helpful or not? Yeah. And that that's that's... For me, it's um, it's really powerful the way I, I think back and find that first moment of getting into mindfulness and not understanding and questioning it because, you know, I went to a treatment center and that's one of the things that was provided as a tool, but it wasn't, it wasn't so much give, given with guidance and like participation. It was just kind of like, oh, well, this is mindfulness. I'm like, okay, is it? is it grounding and mindfulness? Like what's the difference between the two? Yeah. And, it, and it's just like a worksheet handed to you. And it's like, you know, mindfulness. Just, <laughs> yeah. Go a yeah this is one of the, <laughs> the most frustrating things as a, as an experienced teacher is that, in fact, I was just on LinkedIn talking about this uh, on, there's a wonderful article I just posted uh, yesterday. And it's, that would have been August 13th, <laughs> 2022. For those who want to look this up. <laughs> An article by uh, Nicholas Van Dam, uh, and and he is someone I've known for a long time. Uh, I was through happy circumstances one of the the people who contributed to a paper that he was lead author on a number of years ago on mind the hype for mindfulness, and he was writing about how uh, there really isn't a way in which the general public can determine whether someone who is marketing themselves as a mindfulness teacher has been training for years and years and gone through good training and has been through mentoring and all the rest of it. So it's a bit of a bit of a crapshoot about is that they just go to a weekend thing and now they're calling themselves something that really in this, this is a discipline and you do need to spend time with it. You do need to have not just your own personal practice and experience. You need training and supervision and then peer supervision and all the rest of it because this is very complex and a lot of people don't realize that they'll say oh here's the sheet and here are some random uh, meditations that don't that might not be appropriate for what you're running into 
And this difference, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, is this grounding? Is this meditation? I actually wrote some some verbiage distinguishing between arriving practice and grounding practice and a formal meditation practice, because those are different things. It's not that there's not some overlap or one can't lead into the next, but they're different. And if you're not as experienced as a teacher or not as trained as a teacher, and there is research indicating that teacher training promotes more beneficial outcomes for participants, you won't know. So if you're just going to an app and listening to random meditations and finding it's not real helpful, I'm not surprised. That's like going to a doctor's office and grabbing some random medications off the wall and starting to take those and saying, well, that doesn't really help my particular problem. It's like, of course not. <laughs> Why would it? Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what it felt like. Um, but there was it was it built that curiosity. And then um, it, it feels like a sci-fi story where the main character comes across the sacred uh, text. <laughs> but I found a copy, uh, actually was given a copy of uh, John Cavett Sims, uh, where we are or wherever you go, there you are. And I was I was like, OK. Let's get into this. And it it's it's not the easiest book. It wasn't like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, mindfulness for beginners. It was for me and where I was at that moment. I had to really hone in that focus and reread and reread. And it was yeah. like coming into meditation and mindfulness like a brand new coffee drinker starting off with just plain black coffee. <laughs> That's the yeah. best way I can describe it. Because yeah. Yeah. in in a place where you have very rigid structures of classes and going through CBT and time with your therapist. That free time, I was trying to dedicate myself to learn this. And it was like, okay, well, I know I have to sit here. So I'm just going to sit here. I know I can do it on a chair. So I sit there and it's yeah. like, all right, we're doing five minutes and start with the breath. And over the course of those first few months, I got to establish this habit. And then it hit me. I'm okay. There's something to this. Like now I have my task. I am, I am now going to be following this man, try to find my way into some teachings. But the, the first thing I found was great uh, doctors and great providers that did know mindfulness and then brought all those questions up to them and then started getting the ball rolling by reading and constantly reading more. And then, I found courses online, but there was the, there's the pitfall. There's a lot of courses online that are just kind of like self-taught plug and play. You play the, you go through the right. lessons on your own and there's nobody there to engage with and to talk with. And right. there isn't a, a lead teacher. You're just there trying to guide yourself. And I, I, that's when I said, okay, I have to stop. There has to be a way I can seek out training with somebody that can actually teach me. And I remember getting through to your, um, to your course on mindfulleader.org. And I said, okay, I'm, I've gotten to the point where I'm no longer amateur. I'm no longer, you know, just learning the, the beginning parts. Now I'm, I'm ready to move into, you know, like the semi-professional photographer uh, level of mindfulness. So, like, and that was <laughs> the biggest change for me because now I'm, I'm surrounded by individuals that are seeking this knowledge. 
at the same and, and they're not just consuming just you know mindlessly taking in a lot of data just to have the data just getting a cert right. to have a cert we're all invested in learning this because we know inherently it's changing our lives it's changing the way we interact with our families the way we interact with perfect strangers and the people that I have met through that group that I've been able to keep in touch or talk to or anybody that's taking an actual course, we all recognize a change in who we are, like a complete change so much that I look back at pictures and I'm like, wow, like I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was in that point in time. And it, it, it baffles me that it's like, wow, like it's such a real gift to be able to sit here in this time and space and know, like, I know who I am. And I owe it to a lot of doctors, a lot of clinicians, but definitely to mindfulness. And that's something that I only had when I had a course with with teacher, with an actual instructor, with a community. And for anybody out there that's, I don't mean to uh, to throw any shade or hate towards anybody that's developed these courses where it's just a PowerPoint and you yeah. click through it. I understand it. Um, but man, there is a lot to be said for being able to sit in, even Zoom. It was still a powerful experience. Yeah. It, it, like the, the breakout ses- sessions, being able to have the one-on-ones, those were still as powerful, I would say, as being in a room with somebody else. And I, I just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so fascinating, Danny, that we're talking about this because it comes up quite regularly. And... There are so many advantages to being in a live class, and we'll we'll come back to online or face-to-face in a second. But some of the advantages are, as as you've mentioned, the screen disappears very quickly. Yeah. (laughs) And you do feel a, a connection. And the big reveal about these mindfulness programs is is you. That's what it reveals. And as human beings or social creatures, even those of us who are very introverted. That contact and being in a live class is different in so many ways. First, you can share of your own experience. And whether you're doing it on video and voice or you're typing in chat live, that helps you gel your own experience for you and see it a little bit more clearly. If you need to share it with someone else, there's an additional level of thinking that's involved with that that helps you see yourself a little bit more that may not occur in a recorded program or something where you're not with others. Another thing is that, you know, think about how you are when you're by yourself and nobody's around. I don't know, a little bit different than when you're with somebody else. It raises, there's a level of alertness that also brings in a little more sensitivity to how you're doing and how you are relating to others. And then on top of that, when someone else says, oh, I had this experience, and maybe that's something very similar to what you have run into, it's like, wow, I'm, I'm not alone yeah. in this. And that is a tremendous support in this program, let alone the fact that you do have some guidance from a teacher, that as people will say things in the chat or in their shares, they can offer a little bit of, okay, so what's that like? and explore areas that might not be so helpful and help keep us on track when, for example, this past week in a different course that I was teaching where there's no video at all. There's PowerPoint. They can hear my voice and they're chatting. They're putting in text chat that I give voice to. 
and there's still that interaction and still tremendous feedback and I actually do a depression, anxiety, and stress scale DOS 21 on that, tremendous effects pre and post, even though it's just through chat <laughs> and they're not even seeing each other. What we're able to do is put in little bits of pointers, like when I do a home base meditation, and you'll remember this from our MBSR courses, just a pleasant experience or comfortable experience that's happening right now might be the breath, might not be. For many of us, breathing is not comfortable. And this comes from trauma-sensitive mindfulness as being aware of what works for you and maybe doesn't work for you. Choose a different focus. It's not the magic of the breath. It's not about that. It is about where's my attention in this moment. And when someone shared in this other class I was teaching this past week, oh, you know, I, I imagine I was on a beach and went on to that. I said, actually, that's not quite what we're doing here. There's nothing wrong with checking out now and then, but what was occurred there, if you were picturing being someplace else, is you weren't being here right now and paying attention to whatever your home base happened to have been. And they, they commented in, wow, I hadn't realized that. And that's harder. I'm like, yeah, it is. But you made the realization. So you're already more than halfway there. <laughs> you, did, you did the hardest thing. You realized it. And now that you know that's there, you can go, oh, I'm drifting off again. I'm being someplace else. Let me come back to being present with my breathing or listening to sounds or just putting my attention on the tips of my fingers for a little bit and inviting a little bit of stability that way. If you don't have a teacher there who knows <laughs> from experience and training what to look for, that's going to be missed. And what will occur in that kind of instance is practice is only avoidance, is only suppression, is only spiritual bypassing of the very real problems. And the way this may show up for many of us, as it did for me, because I did this too, is I, I'd feel great during my meditation. And then a minute later, back into whatever my life was, I was right back in the soup again. If that's your experience, then maybe there are some adjustments that can occur that maybe the practice is not being integrated into the rest of your life. I don't really care if you can count your breath. It doesn't matter because that's not what it's about. What it is about is how are you in the rest of your day? That's what we're trying to get at. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember the, the, the first time I realized it was always being talked of it's a mindfulness exercise. And I'm like, well, I feel great when I do the exercise. Why can't I just live mindfully? Why can't I? And the answer to that is <laughs> you can. <laughs> you simply have to be able to, okay, continuously check in, continuously understand. Whenever I start getting that chaotic feeling of like, oh, I got so much to do. Even this morning when the bandage <laughs> fell off and I've got <laughs> fluid <laughs> and blood yeah. coming out, I'm like, stop. I don't have to take care of the dishes right now or worry about the laundry right now. Right. right. Let's take care of this. Let's take the, let's take a few moments, take care of this and readjust. I don't have to stay on the same timeline, this linear path that I have focused on of laundry, dishes, dogs. No, man, you're bleeding. Let's yeah, take you care have of bleeding agency first. and choice yeah. in how you approach whatever it is that's coming up. And that's, again, one of the big reveals is for you is like, oh, 
I can choose in this moment. Yeah. You know, I do a couple of podcasts and, and I end both of the podcasts I have with the same thing. Every moment you have a choice, make it the best you can. And that, that best you can is a really important part of that because sometimes we do get overwhelmed and stuff happens. I totally understood. And what do you know? It's a new moment and I can reassess and maybe make a different choice than I did a few moments ago. That's okay. It's expected that stuff happens. That's what life has. It's not about stressors will be eliminated. Stressors are going to happen. And ah, now I have choice about how I work with what's showing up to move the needle on how I am with it and make change in the environmental conditions that I'm in right now, work, home life, whatever it happens to be. That doesn't, we're not separate from that, which is why the checking out practices tend not to be as helpful as checking in practices, which is what we do on mindfulness. Yeah. I, it, it, it's such a, a funny thing how the military life keeps us in that thought pattern of I've got to keep going, got to keep with the missions. <laughs> You're not at work. <laughs> and I, that's why I always try to, to really bring a focus on mindfulness with all my military audience or my, my guys in special forces. It, it's, it's vital to understand that all the things we've been told about mindfulness, meditation, and seeking that quietness and stillness is wrong. Everything we've been told if, but at the same time, it's, we seek out these heroes in star Wars and even our fiction and nonfiction, the Stoics, the guys that are able to be still and wise. I'm like, if you don't just look at the, the force, what do you think that is? Like that yeah. <laughs> the entire time we've been looking at these fictional characters and idolizing their ability to be still, to be focused in the moment, right. in the present. But yet, as warriors, as soldiers, we're constantly being told, nah, that's all foo-foo stuff. Don't worry about that. You don't need that. And then when you finally find it, it's like, man, this is exactly what I needed as a leader. These are exactly the things I I needed when I was in combat. And I leaned on, but I didn't realize it. Those moments of being tact taking that tactical pause, understanding mindfulness 101, baby, you got it right there. But we fail to understand how to bring that back into our daily life. And it's like, man, like we have to be better advocates of removing that stigma of like, this is not right. for me, but it, I still see right. it. And, and <laughs> it contributes. Mindfulness contributes to situational awareness, which of course military is a, is a necessity. It's critical for you to have that awareness focus also important part, but, n but not tunnel vision. Yeah. <laughs> so that when you're in really, really difficult situations, this is, again, this is one of the stigmas. I'm glad you brought this up around mindfulness. The attitude towards it is the frou-frou crystal gripping kind of, that's, that's not me, that's not military. You're like, eh, well, hang on. Two things to, to consider about that. And again, don't believe me. Check it out for yourself. Is there's a long history of contemplative practice in military martial circumstances. Uh, this has been part of military training in, in Japan. Mm -hmm. that, that this is an integral part of the way of the warrior there. So this is not a new thing. And, and more recently in contemporary society, programs like MFIT that Liz Stanley would deliver for the military 
to have people become military personnel more resilient to the difficulties and sometimes the horrors that they would face and be able to not come away with that with post-traumatic stress, but be able to work with that before that happens. Or if it does happen, if someone has not had the benefit of these kinds of trainings, these kinds of awarenesses, that it can help them process that and get through PTSD and know that when these things are coming up, these reactions to, oh, I have choice. And it doesn't mean that my freaking out is a wrong thing or a weakness or a failure. It's not. It's coping as a human being. And okay, now we're going to learn different ways to cope that are not as harmful to me and those around me. And of course, then finally, if you really want to open up that can of worms on sci-fi and Star Wars, we're going to have like a whole new episode <laughs> just on that stuff alone. <laughs> yeah, we were one of the biggest parts of Security Hot Podcast is the sci-fi and uh, the nerd culture, uh, because come to find out, we are all nerds. Uh, I, I don't yeah. care. The it's it's funny. Um, we all go through in, in SF. We all go through a very very stringent selection process, and Every single guy that I've ever served with on a team or been close with in our community, there's that one like common ground of we're all nerds. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which one of us in your group watching what to me is always the second Star Wars movie? Luke is upside down in a frozen cave. The Wampa's coming at him and he's reaching out to the lightsaber a few feet away. And you're like, come on, come on, you can do it, come on. And and he's like, oh, and he, he realizes he, he needs to pause for a moment. And he's like, and he closes his eyes, he takes a breath, he gathers himself, he pauses, he becomes present. And then you see the lightsaber start to shift a little bit. And then he gets out and the poor Wampa loses a limb. <laughs> It's sad, but it was cauterized right away. You yeah. didn't bleed out. In fact, you had a great life afterwards. You met a great girl. Yeah. Little, little womplets. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Yeah. But it's so true. We, we see all these uh, cultures that have always, always instilled that, that ability to be present, to be in the moment throughout their training, whether um, it's Eastern or Western, it's always been there. And if you're like me, you start going through the text and start digging through books. And I mean, reading and reading and finding all these different examples. I'm like, I knew it. It's all here. <laughs> it's like, but it's so upfront that we just don't acknowledge yeah. it. We just don't look at it. And it's right in front of our face. And it's yeah. the ease for me. Just speaking for myself, it was the easiest thing for me. And, and it's when I look at my treatment, when I look at the way I've been able to recover and stay healthy it's a lot of comparisons to the book of the five rings. I've got all these things that I need sure. yeah, to stay healthy, to stay um, in this healthy mindset, to stay in the present state of mind that I want to choose to, or I choose to stay in. And mindfulness is right there. And just as long as going to my doctor, going to my therapist, staying on my medication, they're all equally as important. And I think now we're starting to see an appreciation for it because the more I, I read, the more I talk to doctors, they're like, yes, mindfulness is something that we bring in to our 
holistic approach at treating veterans, at treating soldiers, because it, it has, has been proven, it has been shown that it is a great way for somebody to have that control and understanding of like, I know I have anxiety, I know I have depression, I have these medications are great, but this tool, this exercise, if I expand on it, I can go a little longer before I need to reach for my additional. And that's how I've great. I've become in my with um my anxiety. It used to be I would put my medication not only, you know, my little go bag, but hey, wife, carry an extra little bit just in case this, you know, this dinner party yeah. gets a little too crazy and I don't feel comfortable. But now it's like, no, I have these tools. I have I have a way to cope and be able to control this with me, just me. And yeah. that is it's you. Yeah. powerful. That is something that I I can't explain um, how great that feels because instead yeah. of reaching for a, a prescribed great medication that is awesome, I don't have to take it. I, I can wait. Maybe something gets completely crazy and then I have I still have that ability. But for right now, I can lean and, and rely on myself. And that is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. And especially as someone with a, a military background, that reliance, that that confidence in being able to take care of things is a, is a critical part of, of your character, of your makeup, of who you are. And one of the, the advantages to this, because you, you said it so well, and I want to repeat it here for people listening, is that mindfulness is one of many things to help us with things like PTSD it doesn't have to be full blown PTSD. It can be nervousness or whatever it happens to be. And this is one of many things that can be helpful in this way. The thing that you brought up that I think is really, really important here is that um, medications are helpful. They're a benefit and taking them when appropriately prescribed. Yes. Makes a difference. And there are other ways that, for example, like mindfulness, that can help deal with the underlying causes that lead you to the symptoms that make you take the medication in the first place. The medication will blunt the effects of that or have very different kinds of effects depending on the medication. But being also able to deal with the root causes and getting to that, often that's therapy. Therapy is a good thing. It is helpful. Mindfulness is not a replacement for therapy. It can be a helpful adjunct to that. Mindfulness practice on its own gives you some ways in which you can change the relationship to the stressors that are going on in your life, whatever they happen to be. And, and in conjunction that all of that together can lead to better health, better confidence and and living your life a little more openly, which that's, that's the game changer. Again, the big reveal is you and your own ability to work with what's here right now. One thing I don't recommend is when people take a, a course, like a mindfulness course, it's like, oh, I feel so much better. I'm just going to stop taking my medication. I don't recommend that. <laughs> Talk with your doctor, your therapist, whoever it is that prescribed that and take care of yourself. The most important thing, and Denny, you've heard me say this in class several times, the most important thing is your well-being. And it's kind of like, well, I took a vacation, so I feel great. So I'm not going to take my medications anymore. I'm like, well, <laughs> your vacation, while a great thing, is not your daily life. When you're back in your daily life, how do things go? So take care of yourself. 
do this. Try this adjunct, see what it's like, see what the effects are for you. And again, it's so important that it be under the guidance of a well-trained teacher, perhaps for many of us, one who's trained in trauma-sensitive mindfulness, because that is a different thing than the regular mindfulness courses we see. Uh, and know that you're not alone in this. Lots of folks who are, are running into similar problems, much as your life is unique to you, there are stressors yeah. and things that make us down and anxious and all the rest of it. And you, you can't work with this stuff. Absolutely. That, that was the other great benefit of being in the class was being able to understand that so many other human beings are experiencing the same things that I'm experiencing. And through our own journeys, we're supporting each other, whether it be just listening, practicing, just listening and being able to understand like, wow, like this is part of the whole human experience. This isn't something that is uniquely uh, just to me. Like there's hundreds and thousands of people just like me and you're not alone. That was the the other great thing that was the final, I was finally able to put that to rest because for so long you go through treatment center, treatment center, and you're looking at the rest of your population, the rest of your brothers within your unit. And you're just like, man, like, I know I'm doing good, but I wish I could be back to being like one of those guys. And when I finally realized that it's like, okay, no, we're all fighting our own separate battles. Some of us are at the very beginning of that journey. Some of us are a little bit further ahead, but we don't, you can't put a face value on what that person looks like in that day. Because I remember back to the way I was, I was lively and and happy-go-lucky chief and everybody loved me and thought I was doing great. But inside I was dying. I was suffering so much. And that's when I finally, yeah, okay. It doesn't matter what you think somebody is going through or how great they have. Like, you never know. And it's okay, whatever stage you're at, just keep doing the work. Just keep doing better. Find what works for you and don't give up. That was the the best thing that I realized. And then seeing so many different people varying backgrounds and it's just like, wow, okay, this, this is awesome. This is exactly what I need because I don't feel alone. I don't feel that I am any unique problem set and i also realized like wow they have the courage and strength to continue coming here every sunday i'm coming in every sunday like this is yeah and it was one of the absolute best things i could have done that's why it it, to me i feel like we have in the military um we have to figure out a way to create more opportunities for this type of programming it just seems so easy um you don't have to force it on people, but definitely make it available. Um, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I completely agree. And this is, again, one of those nuances that's important is how I would teach a heterogeneous group out in the wild with people that are, have all different backgrounds to folks who are in, say, a military setting it might be very different. Yeah that I'm going to make adjustments based on that cohort because their needs are a bit different than the group that's out in the wild and the general public. And without the understanding of, oh, this particular practice, while terrific in one set and the whole idea of 
closing your eyes and doing all that might be fine there. It doesn't work so well in other contexts. A, a friend of mine developed a program for uh, police. And they gave a talk about this many years ago at a scientific conference on mindfulness stuff. And they, they had shared just one of the stories around this that uh, you wouldn't have a, a regular mindfulness-based stress reduction program where the participants come in armed and sitting in chairs and with their eyes open because that's what builds a sense of security and safety and confidence so that they can pay attention. But if you're doing that for a set of cops during the workday, if they're day shifters <laughs> or night yeah. shifters, you're doing it the, for the night group, um, that is going to be part of this. And keeping their eyes open is part of it. And they may get to a point where, oh, you know, when I'm out, this one video of this program, a chair where the officer's sharing is like, I don't need to be on high alert when I'm shopping for broccoli with my kids. There's that sense of what is the context and the ability to adjust to what's my environment right now. And whether it's in law enforcement or the military or whatever your job is, do you need to take that home with you? Uh, a lot of the problems we run into in our home lives are because how we're feeling at work comes home with us. Mm -hmm. And not being able to have the mindful awareness of how am I right now in the situation I'm in, which is playing with my kids, my dogs, my spouse, or having fun, whatever it is. Oh, I get to enjoy that too. Or I get to work with those challenges and meet those and, and adjust how I am in that moment and make more appropriate choices. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's such a powerful thing for us, uh, especially this generation of, uh, Warriors are coming out of this 20 year war to understand the importance of letting go of that need to be in control 24 seven, to be in heightened state of alertness. I didn't understand it at all. I didn't understand that I was just constantly in fight or flight, constantly engaged, right. which right. shoots up like any pain you experience is automatically going to be heightened. Anything that you're right suffering from is going to be worse but that yeah. that understanding that no like there is a difference leaving you have to step aside from that and i remember going through treatment after treatment going finding a uh, ganglion blocks and getting to that finally understanding that i have to let go of this like i might not mm -hmm. be able to consciously just say oh i'm over it but i have to be yeah. able to get over i have to get over this need to make sure I'm checking exits, make sure I only sit in one area, make sure that I'm identifying threats that aren't, aren't there. And it finally hit me when I was like, you know what? If I need to have that switch on, my life is not gonna, it's not gonna work out. It's not conducive to being a dad. It's not conducive to being a loving husband. It's not conducive to all the things that I wanted to do. I want to be a great mentor. I want to help people. I can't do any of that if I'm not present in the moment and constantly doing all this weird stuff. Yeah. And it yeah. was finally getting through, you know, multiple treatments, finally understanding and letting go and understanding like if I am, if I am needed in a certain capacity, 
I have been trained. I have gone through so much. I know it's going to work out for me. And I had to let that go. And it's, it's funny how when you put that out there for the universe, when you make the, when you make that effort to go in and just say, no, I'm letting go of this. If it needs, if I need to be doing something, it's, it's going to happen. And the universe gave me an opportunity and it was the last thing I, I remember I needed was like, okay, this is the final reassurance from the universe. If I am needed in this capacity, it's going to kick in. And yeah. Yeah. After that moment, having that final like victory of like, okay, it's there. I don't have to do this. Like it's who I am. I'm always going to be there to support and help somebody when things go south real fast. And I remember my wife looking at me after the situation, she's like, you're all right. Like, I'm, yeah, great. Let's go get some yeah. cookies and get better card or get well soon cards to the neighbor. And, uh, it was such a powerful moment to look back and, and know that my wife wasn't worried about me being angry and violent the rest of the day. Like, no, I saw a need. Someone needed help. I jumped in to care of the issue and it was back to being Denny. And I'm like, wow, like that's, yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. And it's such a wonderful example, Denny. And there's so many layers to what you just described is that, um, uh, it's not, and this is key, you said, it's not just, oh, okay, I've let that go. I'm over that. I was like, no, that's, <laughs> that's a delusion. That's not, that's not true. It takes, it takes some exercise and practice. It's again, think of it like, like a, a training program and exercise. It takes some time. You build up over time and you get better at it, but you can do it. I mean, that's the good news is that, yeah, you're able to do this in the same way that you can increase you know, how much you lift or how long you run. It's the same thing. You can get better at it. But also the awareness that with that change, it's part of your makeup. If there's a need for you to be in the alert zone, it's already there. You know how to do that, but doing so appropriately. Is that something I need when I'm playing with my kids at the playground? Probably not. It's fine. Now, if some weird, wacky stuff happens, it's okay. You can make the choice. Ah, now's the time for me to inhabit that space. But you can do that when you decide to, instead of it running your life, you make the choice about it. And that's one of the things that comes from mindfulness practice is the elbow room to go, oh, oh, I'm right here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> here I am. And I can choose what I'm going to do in this particular moment. Yeah. It's absolutely true, um, which is a beautiful feeling to finally, like, when you recognize it, it's great. But when your family and friends see the change and they yeah. recognize it, that is a, a beautiful thing. It, it's not it's not a gift that I want to forget or or ever diminish because as a husband, as someone that wants to be a father and understands the importance of getting better when your loved ones, when your wife sits there and looks at you and says like, wow, like it's remarkable the change you've made. Like, yeah. And it, it, and it takes you, it takes a step back and say, wow, like, yeah, you're right. Like I'm like, I noticed it. Like I see it in the mirror. I see it in myself. But when your family and the people you love and care about you 
see it and recognize it, that's even more fuel to continue on your journey, continue getting better because it's not a, it's not a destination where you just pull off and I'm here. Right. You're done now. (laughs) I'm done. I'm this is as good as I'll ever get. (laughs) But it it gives you. It's not. And and (laughs) what, what you're saying here, this is one of the, the best things, the best kind of evidence that, that I see is not just the, Oh yeah, I'm noticing for myself. I'm feeling really, really good because we could be wrong. You remember our perception yeah. side. There's the effect of like, well, I've done all this work, so of course I'm. I know I'm feeling better. It's when other people around you are noticing a difference. That's really the the juice where that yeah. comes in. That you know there's a difference that's being made. Is I'm not pretending at something that it's a realization others are having that makes it that's really really good evidence for yeah there's something happening here that is helpful to me and yep. those around me it's a it's definitely a journey it's definitely something that and i always tell people it's you get on the right path and in life you might veer off and now you're on a country road or you know a, a different path and you you stop you recognize this is not where you want to be and just steer yeah. back it's okay. Like we are, we're not perfect, uh, creatures. We, we all have the ability to bump off our paths and go off somewhere and veer off to the wrong path, but we always have the choice to get back on track. Keep, keep moving along. We, we have to understand that we didn't just become the way we are just overnight. So we can't expect change to occur overnight and that's okay. Don't be discouraged by, well, I'm such a uh, lost cause. Like there's no, no reason I should start. I'm like, well, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, change can't happen overnight, but I will say change can happen in this moment. It doesn't have to be that full duration. It, the only thing that matters is just right now, this one moment, that's it. You don't need to worry about an entire lifetime of history behind you. You don't need to scale Everest in one leap, you just, just this moment, this next step, that's it. <laughs> yeah. This moment yeah. you can choose. I can't thank you enough for being here today with us, uh, Ted. Oh, um, very you, grateful Dan. for, uh, your class, finding your class and finding you as the instructor. Uh, so the next slot I can get for the next course, I'm definitely trying to make sure I get it with you as the teacher. <laughs> It's just very enjoyable to have you guide us to this process. But I have to ask one last question sure. for the guys and gals out there who are ready and have that question and want to start building that puzzle of getting into mindfulness. What would you recommend as far as maybe the first book, maybe the first exercise? Um, Cause I know it can be crazy. I know it can be scary yeah. when you look at Amazon, oh, mindfulness for beginners. I'll do that. And it's <laughs> yeah, there's too much. There's so much there yeah. that itself induces anxiety. Just thinking about yeah. how much is there. So I'd, I'd say a couple of things. The first is just check in for yourself. What do I want to get out of this? What am I running into? What, you know, putting on my business hat for a moment. What's the problem I'm trying to solve here? And it may be like me. It's like, well, I'm having trouble with focusing. Okay, well, that would lend itself towards a particular kind of practice. It may be I am really suffering from trauma and my therapist has said, you know, mindfulness might be a helpful adjunct. Check it out. 
So I, I do recommend rather than, hey, start with this meditation completely severed from any kind of program <laughs> or train your education <laughs> is uh, check out places, depending on where you are. Uh, most of these programs now are online and live. Uh, go to it's, do a search UMass uh, MBSR or MBCT. And one of the results that's going to pop up, there are going to be lots of them. There's advertising, marketing, all that stuff. Ignore it. <laughs> Go to UMass and their their programs on MBSR, MBCT. They have them online. They are regularly offered. That's a great place to start. And there are other programs in other countries as well. If you want any help with that, reach out to Danny. Uh, he'll put you in touch with me and we'll absolutely help you find what's going to be most helpful for you. But that's the place I'd start is take a program, see what it's like, and know that that can be a commitment, but it's a commitment that you're making to yourself, yeah. <laughs> not anyone else. That's the main thing. Awesome. Thank you again for stopping by. Um, absolute pleasure. And Sundays are still my day for my longest <laughs> meditations. Uh, so that's, I'm going to do another one and uh, probably do some mindful eating. <laughs> Take care, <laughs> Ted. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. 